is it possible to be almost too excited to preach? Because that's how I feel right now. I love that song. Thank you, guys. Uh, this is the day that we get to celebrate the single greatest event in all of human history. And, and it's only this event that, that we can say that, that's worthy of that statement. It's only this event. This is Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Savior for us. We celebrate that this morning. We celebrate hope, victory. We celebrate our Savior who has redeemed us, that he died for us. And on this day, we celebrate the fact that he rose. He rose in victory. He, he rose. So I'm grateful to be able to celebrate Jesus with you this morning um, I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to the book of Hosea. It's a bit of an odd place to turn on an Easter morning, but um, it shouldn't be. What we're going to see is this is the gospel. This is the gospel message. Uh, for those of you who do not spend a lot of time in Hosea, shame on you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. Um, Hosea is an Old Testament book. It's actually found toward the end of your Old Testament. So if you hit uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, keep going, keep going. If you hit Malachi and get into the New Testament, you've gone too far. Turn around, all right? We're gonna be in Hosea this morning. If you don't have a, uh, your Bible with you, I wanna invite you. There should be one around you, a hardback black one somewhere on the floor around you. I wanna invite you to, lend, I, I want to lend that to you. I want to invite you to grab it and use that. Um, if you don't own a Bible, I would love to give you that one. So no strings attached, just grab it, take it with you, uh, it's yours. And if there's not one that you see around you, someone stole it, but there's more over there on the back table, feel free to grab that. Um, it's our heart that you see that when we, when we talk up here, when we preach up here, that it's not just our words but that we stand on God's word, and I'd love to invite you to follow along with us. So it would be our, it would be our honor uh, to give you a copy. So before we jump in, um, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a moment, and I want us to just pray together specifically that God would give us a greater understanding of his gospel that God would open our eyes and our ears as we spend time in Hosea. And so church, would you just for a moment, would you bow your head with me and let's pray together. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending your son. You demonstrated your incredible, your great love for us and that while we were dead in our sin, you sent him. Jesus was perfect for us, died for us, and he rose, and because he lives, we have life, and so we thank you. This morning, we just ask, would you speak to us? Would you show us that love, the love that would sacrifice for us, the love that would save us, and more than just us in this room, would you in this moment, would you just be with our kids? As the gospels proclaimed here at Stone Oak Bible Church, I just pray that, that they are well-loved over there. We pray for them as well. God, would you open our hearts this morning to your simple and your good gospel in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. All right, I wanna tell you a story, and it is an odd one at first, all right? It is, it is a, a bit of a weird one, but this is a story that the closer we look at it, the closer we examine it, the more and more rich and powerful it becomes, 
this is an incredible story. It's the story of Hosea. Hosea was an Old Testament prophet, a prophet of Israel. And, and by that, what I mean is a prophet was someone who God chose to speak to and to speak through. To speak through, the, literally the mouthpiece of God to his people. That's what a prophet was, and that was Hosea. So, so people paid attention when they spoke because their words carried weight. They were a mouthpiece of God, and this was Hosea. So as we get into this, Hosea's story starts with a very odd request. And we read it in in verse two, right off the bat, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Now that's a bit odd. I always, pause, I always would think, you know, in the Old Testament, God would come and speak audibly and, and call his prophets to a mission, and he would just come and speak. And I was always jealous of that. I was like, what if God would do that? And I have never once been jealous of Hosea's call. <laughs> never, never once. This is not a call I envy. The request was, go marry a wife of Fordham. Marry a wife who will be a prostitute. Marry a wife who will be unfaithful to you, who will be immoral. Go and find her and marry her. That was the call. And have children with her. And as the text says, because the land commits great whoredom. We'll come back to that one in a bit. But for now, as we look at Hosea, here's what we need to see. Typically, God would would give words to his prophets to speak to the people. In Hosea's case, God said, I'm going to give you words, and I'm also going to take your life and make it a living and breathing object lesson. Your life is going to be my words to to my people. Um, This was Hosea. And so Hosea goes, and in verse 3, so he went and took Gomer, the wife of Doblame. Gomer's our girl. She fits the bill. We're going to talk a lot about Gomer this morning. But Hosea follows the command of God, and and he finds her. He marries her. Um, and by the way, you, you, have to, you have to imagine that this decision made no sense to the world around Hosea. You're going to do what, right? This, you have to just picture that he would have been absolutely, uh, this would have confused everyone. But this is a direct command from God, so he listened. And, and another side note, I'm just throwing this out here. Um, this is not a universal call of God. All right, you know where I'm going with this. Don't you dare leave our Easter service to say, well, pastor told me what to look for in my mate. Don't you dare, I will find you, all right? That is not the point, all right? That is not the point, but, but here in our story, Hosea was obedient. Hosea listened, and so we continue. She conceived and bore him a son, and the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, For in just a little while, uh, I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. Um, They had a son. They had a son. His name was Jezreel. Um, This name, Jezreel, by the way, I won't spend a lot of time here, but carried with it some significance. This name, Jezreel, was a place where some of the most horrific 
um, violent, tragic events in Israel's history took place in this valley of Jezreel. This name would have um, signified a loss. It would have been unnerving a bit. It would be like for us to name our kid Apartheid or Holocaust, Gettysburg. It would be unnerving. It would be troubling. That's what they would have um, thought when they hear this name, Jezreel. Um, That was their first kid. It gets worse. Verse six, she conceived again and bore him or bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her name, no mercy. For I will have no mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. Um, So Jezreel, now no mercy. Hebrew name, lo ruhama, which is beautiful, except it means no mercy, right? And this is their little girl. It's one more. Um, Verse 8, when she had weaned no mercy, beautiful little no mercy, she conceived and bore a, a son. And the Lord said, call his name not my people, Loami, not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. All right, so we have, Jez- you have Gomer, the prostitute. You have Jezreel. You have no mercy and you have not my people. It's a fun group, right? It's a joyful crew. Happy, happy family in the making here for Hosea. This is, this is his, his story. Hosea was obedient, and Hosea's life became this grand and weird object lesson. This grand and weird object lesson. Um, and it doesn't seem good. But it's at this point that the story kind of shifts. We see a shift. We see a... a a shimmer of hope just coming through in this, in this story. We're going to come back to chapter 2. We're going to revisit it later, but I will read this in verse 1. Say to your brothers, you are my people. And to your sisters, you have received mercy. Do you, do you hear it? Do you feel it? It's coming. There's hope. There's hope coming. God turns this corner. It culminates in, in verses 21. And on that day, I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth and the earth shall answer the grain, the wine and the oil and they shall answer Jezreel. I will sow her for myself in the land. Listen to this. I will have mercy on no mercy. I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. You feel the hope. You feel the hope. The picture that is painted for Hosea and his dysfunctional family is one of hope a future, a hope. Uh, But this hope, church, had a price. This hope has a a significant price because something had to be done about our girl Gomer. So in chapter three, we read what is done about our girl Gomer. In chapter three, the Lord said to me, that said to Hosea, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels. Do you feel this? Going back in and purchasing uh, a homer, a lethage of barley. And I said to her, you must, not, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So I will be to you. 
Okay, think about this from Hosea's point of view. Hosea had done nothing. Hosea had done nothing but to be obedient. He hadn't been unfaithful. He, he hadn't been disobedient. He had done nothing but what God told him to do, and yet it was him who had to step in to Gomer's mess. The sin, the filth of Gomer, uh, of her life. He had to love her even though she was unfaithful to him. He had to go back in and purchase her back. Now, guys in the room, can you imagine? Can you imagine having to go and purchase your own wife back who has been unfaithful to you? To love her, to purchase her back This is what Hosea does. He sees Gomer, who was his, who had been unfaithful, who had turned to prostitution, and and Hosea here loves her still, obeys God, and purchases her back. Purchases her back. And then he says in verse three, you shall no longer play the whore. No, you shall no longer. You will be mine, and I will be yours. The deed is done. I've purchased you back. So let's take a moment, church. Let's take that in. Let's take a breath. And let's just consider this weird, tragic, and happy story of Hosea. Some of you are wondering, where on earth is the Easter message? It's coming, church. It's coming. What an incredible story. But remember, like I said, Hosea was a prophet meaning he spoke for for God himself. He spoke for God. And so we need to ask ourselves, um, how would these people, how would Israel would have responded, how would they have responded to Hosea? How How would Israel have taken this? How would they viewed his little object lesson of a life going on before them? How would they have seen this? Let's think about this story through their eyes for a moment. So to understand this, I want us to just think back to an earlier book in your Bible, in the book of Genesis. See, in chapter 11 of Genesis, God calls this man named Abram, who would become Abraham. And he calls him and says, not based on anything you do or how good you are, I am choosing you. I'm gonna make a covenant with you. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna multiply you. You are going to be my people. And he did this knowing that they were not gonna be faithful to him back. This is the story of Israel. In in a sense, if we think back to Hosea, he did this knowing they were gonna be unfaithful to him. In a sense, he was taking a wife of whoredom. That's what he was doing with Abraham in chapter 11. In fact, in fact, God would give Israel the law and say, you know what? This is what it looks like to be faithful to me. This is what faithfulness looks like. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm just gonna give it to you. You can know, it's not a secret. Do this. Here is what faithful, faithfulness looks like in the covenant. Here it is. And all the time he knew they were going to ignore it, they were gonna walk away, and they were gonna choose to think that they knew better. The entire Old Testament, we see God's people sometimes gradually, sometimes just outright boldly walking away from what God has told them to be. 
just walking away from his law. We see him turning to other gods. Even while God was giving him, giving them the law, they were busy turning to other gods. The whole story just unfolds of God's people being unfaithful to a faithful God. Being unfaithful. And in fact, it was the heat of this, in the heat of this, that our man Hosea lived and was a prophet and wrote. This was Israel, but God was faithful. The people of God were unfaithful, but God was faithful. Like Gomer, who was Hosea's, the people of God, Israel, belonged to God. But like Gomer, who was unfaithful to Hosea, the people of God were unfaithful. They were unfaithful. So Jezreel was a symbol of their sin. No mercy was a symbol of what they deserved. Not my people was the status that they should have received. So God's people, Israel, they were Gomer. They were Jezreel. They were no mercy. They were not my people. This would have been a message that would have hit them in the face. So church, in light of that, how do you think they responded? How do you think they took this message, this, this um, life story playing out in front of them? When they figured out, wait, this dysfunctional family represents me? Wait, what? How do you think they responded to this? But, but as we already know in Hosea's story, as we already know, that things take this turn of hope. They take this turn, and I want, to read, I want to read this in light of that. Listen to verse 10 in, in chapter 1. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sands of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. And in verse two again, or chapter two again, say to your brothers, you are my people. To your sisters, you have received mercy. Do you feel it? There is this turn of hope here in this story. And, and I wanna push this a little further. I want us to look at chapter two, starting in verse 14. As I read this, I want you to pay attention to the pronouns. Pay attention to the pronouns, the eyes. When God says, I will do this, I, I, pay attention because I want us to see hope in what God is doing, not in what Gomer did or the kids, but God is saying, I, we see in verse 14, therefore, I will allure her back. Verse 15, I will give her her vineyards. Verse 17, I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, all those gods that she's been serving, I will remove them. Verse 18, I will make for them a covenant on that day. I will abolish the bow. I will make you lie down in safety. Verse 19, oh, listen to this. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. Verse 20, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. You see this hope because God's people were unfaithful, but God was faithful to his people. God was faithful and there is hope. But like we talked about with Hosea and Gomer, that hope came with a price. We've talked about that Israel was Gomer. We are 
the kids, that, that Israel, they, they are the kids. And so what does it mean when, when, it, when the Lord says, go again and love a woman who is loved by another man? What does that mean? Purchasing her back, what does that mean? In our, in our story, church, who does Hosea represent? Hosea represents the promised Messiah, the hope of Israel. Hosea represented what was to come when all of this would be made right, that future hope, the coming of the Messiah, when, when the Messiah would redeem his people, even though they were unfaithful, he would redeem them. That's what Hosea, and, and listen to this. Listen to Hosea's words directly to these people. Listen to the description of what's gonna happen. In verse four, for the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice, pillar, you see that in verse four? A, that happened. Church, that actually happened. The people of God, Israel and Judah, they, they were scattered, they fell, they were without king, they were without prince, they were without temple, they were scattered. This actually happened. And then we continue in verse five, afterward the, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. Church, again, this is turning their attention to what is coming, the future of what is coming, the coming Messiah from the line of David. It is pointing them forward. Whereas on the surface, Hosea's story is this weird, quirky story of a dysfunctional family. Right? On the surface. And... and Hosea's community probably were less than thrilled with Hosea's story to them. But in the midst of that, even though they were compared to a prostitute, in the midst of that, his story is this perfect picture of the hope to come. It's this beautiful and perfect picture. It's a story of how God called them, and even though they were unfaithful to him, God was faithful to them and he was gonna redeem them and bring them back. This is a story of hope, and what a beautiful story. But it can't end there. In fact, I would do you a great disservice if we ended here, if we stopped here. We've looked at Hosea's story. We've looked at Israel in light of Hosea's story, but for a moment, we need to bring this story to us. We need to bring this story um, to us, and we need to ask ourselves the same question as, as we said of Israel. How will we respond to the message to us from God through Hosea? Let's bring this story to us, and to do that, I want us to return again to Genesis. Last time we went to Genesis 11, I want us to go further, and I want us to go to Genesis 1, the first page of your Bible. When God creates, out of nothing, creates everything. And then there's this beautiful, beautiful picture of when God creates man and woman in his image. To be his image bearers, to be in relationship with him. He creates man and woman to literally walk with him and talk with him and to know him and to be in relationship with him. That is what he created man and women for. He created them to rule creation under him. 
He created them to be in perfect relationship with him. It was paradise, it was beautiful, and it was unbroken. That is creation, and that's the picture that the Bible paints when he created us. That's the picture that is, that is given to us, and that lasted two chapters. Two chapters. And it was then that man said, I think we know better. I hear you, God, but I don't know if I trust you, God, and I think we're gonna do things our own way. It was here that they decided, chapter three in Genesis, to disobey God and they sinned. And that picture that God created us for in this moment was broken. It was broken. Mankind's relationship with God was severed and man was sent out of the presence of God. Now, I wanna say something. Church, he created Adam and Eve knowing that they would walk away from him. He created humanity knowing that they would be unfaithful to him. And he created them anyway, knowing he would be faithful to them. So to return to our story in Hosea, we were his. We were created for him. He was ours, and instead we chose to play the whore and to leave and to pursue other gods, pursue other lovers. That's the picture. That's the message of Hosea to, to us. We chose this. Church, we are Gomer. Adam and Eve, Gomer. You and I, Gomer. Jezreel, that's what we deserve for our sin. No mercy, not my people. That's what we deserve. We are Gomer. We walked away from God. And some of you might be here and say, well, I'm not Adam. I wasn't there. I didn't do that. Church, every time that we sin, our pride, selfishness, greed, lust, idolatry, lies, Gossip, you insert, fill in the blank here. Anytime you are Adam, you know what is good and right, and you're choosing to walk the other way. And that's our condition. Universally, I guarantee that every person in this room can say, Yep, that's me. On my good day, that's me. Because we know what's good, we know what faithfulness looks like. But we choose instead, we choose instead to walk away. But praise God, just as in Hosea's story, there is hope. There is hope. Praise God for that church, or should I say my fellow gomers, there is hope. There is, there is hope. Think about what God spoke through Hosea. I will allure her. Think about, oh, I love this. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and in steadfast love and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. There is hope. What was broken what was broken, what we thought could never be repaired, there is hope. 
again, my fellow gomers, no matter how far you think you have gone, no matter how deep your unfaithfulness goes, no matter what brings you to this place, there is hope because God knew you when he created you. Church, Christ died for you in the depths of your sin, not dying for you on your best day, your perfect day, because those don't exist. Not buying for the best, dying for the best version of you. He didn't die for the perfect version of you. He died for you. The Bible says why you were dead in your sins. That Christ died for you. He knew what he was purchasing. Here's the most beautiful part, and this is the reason why this story must be told on Easter. All right, you ready? This is the reason why this story must be told on, it, on Easter. Because for the people of Israel hearing Hosea speak, Hosea was speaking about a future, a future hope. A hope that it was not yet, but was coming. Hosea was telling them about this hope, but the Messiah had not come. He was still to come. For them, we read the portion, the hope portion of the story, and we read it future tense. I will betroth you forever. I will betroth you to me in, in, in faithfulness and justice and love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me, and you will know the Lord. Future, future. But church, because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of his work on the cross, that he died, that he rose, that he won. This is no longer future. This is no longer future. We can read this like it's already, because it is. And so we read this. Let me just read this to you in, in the current, in the, in the right context. I betrothed you to me forever. I betrothed you to me in justice and love and mercy. I betrothed you to me in faithfulness and you know the Lord. You know Jesus Christ. You know him crucified and you know him risen. In our story, God tells Hosea, go back and purchase your wife. Go buy her back. We stand here today on Easter morning celebrating the fact that Jesus did that. We stand here today knowing God so loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ into this world so that all who believe, that all who believe will not perish but have eternal life. We, we, we celebrate the fact that Jesus was sent to redeem unfaithful sinners. We celebrate that to buy them back. And, and gomers, that work is done. That work is done. Easter says loud and clear. Easter says loud and clear that what was promised to Hosea has been fulfilled completely. That this is done, it is finished. We stand here today celebrating an accomplished work. That's why this story must be told on Easter. You are redeemed. You have been purchased. You have been redeemed. The victory is ours. And so church, what do we do with this? 
what do we do with this this morning? Um, the call for us this morning is two things. There's two things. Um, first and foremost, church, um, Gomers, first thing is, is to respond to what God has done. The first thing we need to do is we need to respond to what God has done. Every time I read this, I, every time I consider what, what Jesus has done for me, what Jesus has done for us, I, I'm overwhelmed, even in this moment, the joy, the joy. I, I feel like my eyes, every time that I went through this, were opened a little more to how good, how truly good our Savior is. feel my heart being moved, and as if you're here and as you feel that, that's the Holy Spirit working on our heart to do that, to respond to what God has done. If you're a follower of Christ this morning, let us take a moment this Easter morning. Let us take a moment to respond to the gospel, to respond in worship and in gratitude and in surrender. Let us respond Honestly, our life is just this one ongoing opportunity for us to respond to what God has done. If you lived your life through that lens, you'd be all right. Let us, every one of us, let us respond. If you're here this morning and you have never responded to the gospel before, respond. Respond. Consider what Jesus Christ has done. Taking your unfaithfulness and being faithful. Taking your, your pain, taking your brokenness and giving you joy, showing you love, mercy, peace. You bringing your sin and him saying, it's forgiven. Consider what he has done and respond. And, and, and you, like, like Gomer, you didn't earn this. You didn't deserve this. That's the beautiful thing. That's grace. But like Gomer, we respond. The work is done. Jesus paid the price. The victory is won. Jesus is risen. And so now for every one of us in this room, I don't care who you are, let us respond to that. Let us respond to what God has done. Second, put aside your old identity. Put aside your old identity. Notice in our story, Gomer didn't do anything to clean up in order to um, allure Hosea to come purchase her back. No, she didn't clean up in order to be bought back. In fact, um, Hosea went into the trenches of her sin to buy his bride back. He went into, Gomer was redeemed, purchased back from prostitute to bride. And it was then, it was then, church, that she can set aside her ways of prostitution. Because you see, that was her old self, that was who she once was, but that's no longer who she was. Because she was purchased, and she had a new identity. She had a brand new identity. Church, you have been redeemed. You have been purchased. Not because of how awesome you are, but because of how awesome he is. Not because of 
you are faithful, but because he is, and now we have been made new. I want you to listen to this as we, as we begin to close. I want you to listen to this. In 2 Corinthians 5, I think this says it so beautifully. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who, for their sake, died and was raised. There's the Easter message. Now listen to this. From now on, verse 16, we regard no one according to the flesh. (laughs) Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus uh, no longer. In other words, regard Gomer no longer as prostitute. No, 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 no. Regard Gomer no longer as prostitute. Regard Gomer as bride. That's how we know Gomer. Bride, why? How can we say that? Gomer certainly didn't earn it. Gomer certainly prostituted herself willingly. How can we say that? Hasn't she been unfaithful? Listen to this in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Through Christ, the new has come. Through Christ, because of that, because of that fact, Gomers, let's put aside all of the things that used to characterize us. Let's put aside all those things because those aren't us anymore. In Christ, we are new We have been purchased. We have a new owner. Now, for some of you um, who are wondering, well, does that mean we're perfect? Once we're redeemed, does that mean we're now perfect? Ask anyone who loves you, (laughs) and they will assuredly tell you, no, that's not what that means. That is definitely not what that means. In in fact, I'm sure that, that, that Gomer messed up again. But here's the difference. Um, once she was a prostitute acting like a prostitute. And now she's not. That's a big deal. Once she was a prostitute and she was just acting like what she was. Now, when Gomer sins, she's acting like what she's not. Because listen to this, in in Hosea 3.3, if you remember, it says, you shall not play the whore or belong to another man so I will also be with you. In other words, Gomer, don't act like what you're not. Stop acting like what you are not. You are no longer a slave to the things that you once were. Church, you are new. You are redeemed. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are victorious. This is yours. You are purchased. In Hosea's story, I find myself wanting to yell at the pages. Hosea... How are you not losing it and saying, Gomer, don't you know that you were mine in the first place? I find myself, what? Gomer, why are you prostituting yourself when you are mine and I am yours? And it's in this moment, over and over, as I was preparing, the Holy Spirit just convicted me and said, Justin, oh, Gomer, don't you know that you were mine and that I am 
yours. Live like it. Live like you're mine. Live like you're, you're his. Live like you're new, not in order to be loved by God, but church, because we are loved by God. Live like it. Because of Christ, because he came and lived for you and died for you in church, because he rose. Because he rose and the work is done, you have been redeemed. You have been redeemed. This is a story of redemption. Let us, as, as we close in prayer, church, let us respond to what God has done. Whoever you are and whatever brought you to here this morning, let us respond to what God has done in worship and in gratitude. Let us respond and let us, church, put aside our old self. Let us put it aside and live like we're his because through Jesus Christ, we are. We are. Let's pray, church. And all, all words seem to just fall short in a moment like this when we come to you and thank you for what you, what you have done. And God, in this moment, would you stir in our heart that every one of us would respond to your gospel this morning. For some, for the very first time. For some, for the, the very hundredth time. God, let us all respond. And as we respond, let us realize who we are in you. That we are new through Christ that we are victorious through Christ, that we're forgiven, that we're redeemed, that we've been purchased, that we are no longer a slave to all of those things that once enslaved us. Help us not buy that lie anymore, but help us, Lord, instead cling to the fact that we have been purchased back as yours and help us live into that, into the joy of that. Help us know that. God, we are grateful for your work. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.